now. God bless you. You may be seated. Get me seated. Good job, guys. Thank you all so much for everything that you do. Mother's Day, as you well know, I had uh, Wendy share her testimony and uh, what a great testimony it was. A great time to, to share and just to be encouraged by a mom. And I thank you so much uh, for sharing that with us. Uh, today, I've asked a good friend of mine. Uh, he is the husband of uh, Starla. He is the daddy of uh, Justin Cody and Dakota Riddick. And he is affectionately known for those of us who have been on the mission field as Daddy Doug. So I think without any uh, further ado, I want to bring out for just a moment Doug Riddick. Y'all give Doug a hand. He's just going to share his heart with you as a moment. Come on now. Y'all can do better than that. Encourage him today. When Mark told me I was speaking in Jamaica, I thought he was joking. So I had to go back to him later that night and ask him if he was for real. And he said it was for real. I'm very nervous. This is way out of my box. He wanted me to speak on what is a dad. So I had about three or four days to really pray to God about that. What I need to speak on. I wanted to make sure it was God speaking, not myself. Anyone can be a father. But it takes a real man to be a dad. Guys, any one of us out here can be a father. But it takes a real man to be a dad. In Genesis 2, chapter 7, Then the Lord God formed the man from dust out of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. That's our first picture of our dead. Adam was the first dead on this earth. God formed him in his image, just like he formed each and every one of us deads in his image. The question we have to ask ourselves this morning, guys, are you worldly dead? Are you a godly dead? That's what you need to take home today. What kind of dead are you living in your household? Are you worldly dead or godly dead? Not being a godly dead is, a, is like not having all the pieces of a puzzle. You can still make out what the picture is, but it is still incomplete. Guys, is your home incomplete because you're a worldly dead? I pray it's not. There's too many fathers absent in people's lives today. If you're a single dead, step up and be that dead that God wants you to be. A godly dead makes godly decisions. Psalm 78, verses 5 through 7. For he issued his laws to Jacob. He gave his instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children. So the next generation might know them even the children not yet born. And they, they in turn will teach their own children. So each generation should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. Guys, we've got to make godly decisions in our lives. A lot of times we do what we want to do, what the, worldly wants, what the world wants us to do. Our blueprint on how to be a dead is right here in this Bible. Man, we need to take a stand and take it and read it. It's never too late to be that godly dead. You can start today. A godly dead treasures his children. Ephesians 6, chapter 4. Fathers, do not, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with discipline and instructions that come from the Lord. Guys, we need to treasure our children. 
God gave them to us to raise in this world. Your kids, your sons, and your daughters, Dad, are watching you daily. Do you want them to turn out like you are if you're living in the world? That's what you got to ask yourself this morning. When you leave this church and you go back to your workplace on Monday through Friday, how are you acting? Are you a godly dead there or are you a worldly dead? Treasure your children. Treasure them like you treasure your wife. Dads, I hope you're loving your wives because your kids are seeing that. If you're not loving your wives, guys, then your kids are going to grow up not loving their spouses. They're watching you every move we make every day. I can remember my son, Dakota, when he was three and a half years old. He followed me around everything I did around the yard. He'd ask questions about anything we did. At three and a half years old, he was cutting grass with a self-propelled push mower with his hands all the way like this. But you know what? He was doing it because he saw Dad do it. And I use that example because at that young age, guys, they're watching you. They're watching you. A godly dad is there for his children always. Guys, we're there for them always, even when the bad times start. Even when the things are not going good with your kids, you've you got to be there. You've got to love on them. But dads, are you praying for your kids? Man, we should be praying for our kids daily. This world is a lot worse than when I was a teenager. They have so much in front of them with the internet alone. That's Satan's playground. If we're not careful, they're, they're learning everything they want to on television and the internet. They should be learning from you, dads. A godly, a godly dad loves unconditionally. Guys, when we fail our Heavenly Father, He still loves us every day. He's never turned His back on us, He's never quit holding our hand. Most of the time, He's carrying us through our daily walks because we're not strong enough to take our own steps. We should love our kids no matter what. God entrusted you, dads, to be that father to these kids. A godly dad is always teaching. My dad's 82 years old. He's always teaching. He's still teaching me. Through his actions, through the way he lives his life. To see my dad be a godly man. At 82, he loves my mother. He worked hard for all of us kids. Guys, you'll be teaching your kids even when they're up in their 30s and 40s. I got three sons, 32, Justin, Cody's 30, and Dakota's 20. I'm still teaching them, and I will be, because that's my job. I don't pound it in their heads what they should do or how they should act. When they come, for me, come to me for advice, and that's the door that was open for me to teach. But the best way I could teach is to walk daily with Jesus Christ. To read my Bible. To pray for my family. To work hard for my family. Even if it means working two to three jobs, that's what it takes and that's what we dads do. Guys, you've got to teach. You've got to love your kids. You've got to hold their hands. You've got to let them know you love them. Even when they're 30 years old, you still got to love them. Wrap your arms around them and give them a kiss. It's okay, dads. I know the world doesn't want you to do that. 
But most of these kids out here will tell you, just like in Jamaica, most of those kids don't know their fathers. A lot of them don't even get attention from their moms. So when we go over there to their schools, the first thing most of them want to do is find someone to pick up. They want you to pick them up and hold them. And if you don't watch most of our young girls that were over there, most of them could sit there all day with a child in their lap, and that kid would fall asleep. It's so peaceful when you know you can watch a young child fall asleep in a stranger's arms and not have to worry. But you know what? That's all they want is that love and attention. Dads, that's all we got to give our kids. We don't have to buy them everything. That's what the world wants us to do, is to spend more money on them to get further in debt where we have to work and never have a chance to spend with our kids. In 3 John chapter 1, verse 4, I could have no greater joy than to hear that my children are following the, tr- children are following the truth. There's no greater joy than to see your flesh walking by faith. My friend Bill Pritchett, his last 15 years of his life, lived a godly life, and a godly father he was. It's never too late to start. I served with Bill on the deacon board at Mount View for four years. A godly father he was. He wasn't perfect, but neither is none of us. Dads, it's time we step up. Ask yourself today, are you a godly dead of the world or are you a godly dead of God? If I could just leave one thing in your heart, guys, we need to be a man after God's own heart. If you live that life there, striving to be a man after God's own heart, then everything you do will, will work. King David, if you look at his life, man, God labeled him that, and there's no way he should have. Guys, it's time to stand up and take a stand. A dad is a son's first hero, and it should be their last hero. A dad is a daughter's first love, and it also should be their last. Guys, I'm not perfect. I make mistakes every day as a father and a husband, but I got my Father in heaven who forgives me daily for that. Just remember, guys. It's never too late to take that stand. I pray this morning if you've got something on your heart that you'll bring to this altar after Mark gets through preaching. It's not about what bank account we have or what job we have. It's are we a godly dead. And I pray that before y'all walk out of here this morning that all you deads will be a godly dead. Thank you. Amen, amen. You guys got to see him in action in Jamaica, though. He puts on this daddy cap. It's not really a cap. It's just kids just flock to him, man, and he just begins to minister to them in the whole week. He just makes sure everybody's fed, makes sure everybody's taken care of. And I love you, brother. I appreciate you so much. Daddies, I got five quick things I want to give you. Five. We're going to do it quick, quick, quick. I'm going to talk fast, so listen fast. Five things I believe that dads need to be. So you want to take a mental note. You want to write it down. Maybe your wife will take it down for you. Kids, take it down for your dad. Number one, guys, I believe we need to be a protector. How many of you men believe that? We need to protect our family. 
We need to protect them. How many of you guys got little girls? How many of you guys got little girls? God help you. Listen, here's what we need to do. When those boys come over to date our girls, you need to get that shotgun out. You need to write that boy's name on a shotgun shell. Three and a half inch buckshot would work well. You know what you need to do rather than do that? You need to ask him to quote the Ten Commandments. You need to ask him, does he have a 401K? You need to ask him, does he have a J-O-B? You need to ask him, does he know how to treat a girl? Because you will start a prison ministry and kill a brother. You know what I'm saying? We need to be protectors of our home. What do you mean by that, Mark? I think we need, as Doug said, we need to protect what comes in and what goes out of our home, guys. We need to protect it by the way of the internet. We need to protect it by way of the television, by way of music. Mark, are you saying that we don't need to watch certain things, listen to certain things? Here's what I believe. You put junk in and junk's coming out. Hey, it's real easy. I love, I love, how many of you guys love, 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 love a good action movie? I mean, shoot them up, bang, bang, blood and stuff and cars wrecking. How many of you guys like that? Come on. You know you want to growl about right now, don't you? But let me tell you something. If that program, if that movie and your little children are sitting around watching it, you're simply indoctrinating them to be callous to the negativity and dirt and stench of this world. You need to be careful, man. When I was a youth pastor, I shared this many times before, but when I was a youth pastor, I went and stood in line to watch the newest uh, action movie. It was rated R, and I went over to LaGrange, and I stood in line and had about four or five of my youth come running up to me and hug my neck, and, hey, what are you seeing, Pastor Mark? And I looked with shame, and I thought, I just named some Disney movie. I don't remember what it was, but I, I just couldn't say it because I felt like I was doing something wrong. So my wife looked at me, and she said, if you can't say it from the pulpit, then you ought not be doing it. She had no business saying that, first of all. But nonetheless, I did not and have not. I don't watch rated R movies. My kids will tell you. When they come over to the house, I don't watch rated R movies still. I mean, the PG movies now are what we would consider when we were kids. It's, it's just crazy stuff. We need to be protectors of our home, guys. If that means you staying up all night until they get home, stay up till they get home. We need to be protectors. Number two, we need to be providers. Bible says if a man doesn't work, you ought not eat. Got to work hard. I remember my dad too, Doug, working two and three and four jobs. How many of you guys out there did not know what a repairman was because y'all had to fix it all at your house? My dad fixed everything. And he taught me how. And I'm just going to be real bold and say this. I hated it. I hated working with my dad because, man, we were all the way up until the last job we did. We were so much alike. We were constantly bumping heads. Anybody else bump heads with dad? Anybody else? Tyler Pritchett, you better not be raising your hand because I ain't like that. But you know what was going on, dads? Dad, hear me. I was learning. I was learning how to build things. When my, when my daughter and, and son-in-law bought their first home and Ashley, I remember her asking me, much like I had asked my dad so many times before, Dad, can you remodel the house? My answer was, yes. And then I backed up and thought, Lord God, what am I going to do? Because I had never done one by myself, Steve. I had not done it. I would only done it with Dad. And if I didn't know something, I'd default to Dad. Dad, what would you do about this? Dad, what do you do? He knew everything. I don't, I don't know how that was the case, but it seemed like everything. I don't know that he really knew everything, but boy, he faked it well. But I remember going over there, and I started working. I started doing it. And I remember the first day I was by myself, and I was in the back room tearing out the shower. I was by myself, and I was just crying. And I'm not praying to my dad, not my earthly dad, but I was like, God, if there's some way I can pull this off, half as good as my dad did. 
And about that time, my father-in-law walked in. And Pop, you, you were there for me. You were, you were the dad that I no longer had, and you are to me today. You mean the world to me. And we remodeled the house, and we fixed it. There's probably some things behind walls that we'll never talk about because maybe I didn't do it right. You cut on a light in the den, and the one in the bedroom comes on, but that's just cool ingenuity. You don't get that in your house. Cut on the remote, and the garage door opens. It's all good. We need to be providers. We need to work hard for our family. We live in a culture where our kids have no reason to want. Hey, there's nothing wrong with them wanting, dads. But get them back outside and show them how to do something. Hey, I don't want, I don't want our, our daughters and sons to grow up and not know how to swing a hammer. Not know how to fix some little something. I don't know everything for sure. I mean, I call a lot of you guys in this room. There's some great men of God in this room that I've been able to call on. I've called Ronnie Hendricks several times and said, here, talk me through something. I'm fixing to hook something up. <laughs> He's probably sitting there going, Lord, God, help him. We need to be protectors. We need to be providers. But, guys, we need to be promoters. We need to promote our children. One of the first things that daddies do by default is, is we want them to jump from a higher place. You can do it. We want them to take a little bit of a risk because we know that out there in the real world, if they don't take risks, they're not going to get great dividends. But you know what, Dad? Sometimes it's okay just to be honest with your child and look at your son and say, you know what, when I was little, I wasn't a great athlete. And you know what, when I was little, I was afraid of the dark. And when I was little, I, I didn't have it all together. And I, maybe I didn't know all the stuff that I know now. You know, promote them. Lift them up. Be promoters. Our kids are only going to be as great as they believe they can be. Daddies, never, ever, ever allow words to come out of your mouth that demean and break down your children. You tell a child he's stupid. You tell a child he's no good. You tell him he's a sissy. You tell him he's this. You tell him he's not tough. You get up, boy, don't cry. You tell him those things. He's going to grow up a broken man and he's going to reproduce that in his children. Let him cry. Cry with him. Be a promoter of Jesus in your home. Promote Jesus Christ. Promote the love of God in your home. Promote the image of being a husband that loves his wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. We need to be protectors. We need to be providers. We need to be promoters. Man, we need to be prayer warriors. I say this with the utmost of respect, but I said it to my students when I was a youth pastor. Pastor David McGuire does not need to be your children's spiritual hero. Dads, you need to be. David should only accent what you're doing in the home. He should only make better and cultivate what you're already instilling in them at home, Dad. I used to think, and I'll say this out loud, I used to think that it was a, a weakness when I, when I would see men in church and I would see pastors and I would think, man, they're weak men, they're, they're real this, they're that. They're not godly, strong men like my dad was when we were coming up. Let me tell you something, the greatest strength you can ever have, men, is to be weak but strong in Christ. Be a prayer warrior. 
Let your children know they can come to you and say, Hey, Daddy, I want you to pray about this. And and take their hand and and bow your knees right there and cry out to a holy God on their behalf. Be a prayer warrior. Believe God with them. Believe God for them. And lastly, not only do we need to be a protector and a provider, a promoter and a prayer warrior. This one's going to hit you a little funny. But it goes all the way back into the, the times of, of Abraham and Job. And, you know, when those men were the priests of their home, in the New Testament church, God has taught us, called us men to be the priest of our home, the spiritual head of our home. Ephesians 5.22, wives, he says, Submit yourself unto your own husband, as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the home, even as Christ, the head of the church. Jesus is the priest of this church. Jesus is a shepherd. I'm merely an under-shepherd under him. In and of myself, I can lead you nowhere. Daddies, you're the same way. You're only going to be able to be the priest of your home when you have made yourself subservient to the priest of your life, which is Jesus Christ, the high priest. To be a priest of your home suggests that you're going to heaven and you're going to heaven with peace in your heart, with strength in Christ, and you're taking your family with you and their family's going and you're starting a new heritage and a new legacy. I preach probably over 120 funerals and to stand and, and over a casket and to say all these wonderful things. He was a great, great contractor. He was a great man. He was a great this. And, and to give all these worldly accolades that the Bible says will burn up as wood, hay, and stubble. It doesn't count for anything. But the one thing that counts for everything is for a man to be the priest over his home and to lead his children in prayer, to lead them in Bible study, to pray. Husbands, you need to let your wife hear you pray over her. You will rock her world if you begin to pray over her like the priest you should of your home. Your children need to see your weakness. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and following. Paul said, I prayed three times that God would deliver me of this thorn in my flesh. And Jesus says, no, my grace is sufficient. It's in your weakness that my strength is made perfect. You see, it's in your weaknesses, Dad. It's in our weaknesses. It's a word we can't even say out of our mouth. We can't be weak. We have to be strong. We don't cry. God, help us for a man who walks under that paradigm. It is crippling, and it is shameful, and it is broken, and it is bondage. And in Romans 8 and 15, he says, I'm not giving you the spirit of bondage again, but the spirit of adoption, whereby you cry, Abba, Father. I looked that up. I looked the word Abba up in the Bible. And I looked it up in the Aramaic language, in the Greek language. You know what it means? It's affectionately meant daddy. When I can climb up on the lap of my heavenly father, Abba, Father, daddy, and I can give him my sorrows, I can give him my fears, I can give him my weaknesses, then and only then am I going to be the strong man that I need to be for my family. And like Doug says, daddyhood and mamahood don't stop when the kids get out of the house. I remember when I was a little boy, my dad put me on his shoulders. And I remember him walking. We lived out in Grace Hill subdivision. And I remember my dad walking down that road. I remember him crossing over some rocks. And I remember looking down. I felt like I was about 40 feet off the ground. My dad was a pretty tall guy in stature and I got on his shoulders and I remember him taking a ride and walking up and I remember just looking and just looking at the neighbors I had no fear had no cares 
because I was standing on the shoulders, sitting on the shoulders of a giant in my life. I remember one time I had this old telephone and it had some big C or D cell batteries in it and it messed up and it wouldn't work and you'd mash it and it, you know, kind of make a little noise of a hint of working and it didn't work and I remember it was the first occurrence I remember that my dad could do anything and I took it to him and I said I was crying I said dad the, the, the phone don't work anymore he says I'll take care of it he took it back into the secret place and he brought it back out and he said here son it works now I thought my dad was a miracle worker he replaced the batteries but I didn't know that because he didn't panic my dad could do anything. He taught me in sports. He taught me how to hunt. He taught me how to pull his finger. You know, all those cool things that men teach their sons. <laughs> but I also saw my dad, who came to a point in his life, who was willing to admit that he was weak, that he was undone, that he was broken that he was helpless, that he was shamed, that he was willing to give up. And it was interesting how the roles reversed. And he looked at me and said, I want what you have. See, the man who had raised me to be confident, the man who had raised me to believe in things that were bigger than myself, the man who raised me to have a strong work ethic and never stop, there's times where I didn't want to, I didn't want to play sports. I remember my dad looking at me and he said, you're going to see it to the end. You're not going to quit. He said, I'm not going to raise a quitter. And today I persevere because my dad said, never quit. But perhaps the greatest thing that my dad missed early in his life, but he found in the latter part of his life, it's an intimacy with Jesus. Because see, here's the reality, Dad. Here's the big point of it all. Until you know who you are in Jesus Christ, you'll never be the daddy you need to be. Until you realize that it's in your weakness that his strength is made manifest for all to see, you will never be the daddy you ought to be. Until you can admit your failures, until you can admit your faults and your frailties to a holy God in front of your family. And guys, when we mess up, go to your family and say, hey, I missed that one. I apologize. Please forgive me. You'll never be the daddy you ought to be. And daddies, what I believe to be true today is that when we look into Luke 15, we concentrate on the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. And we place a lot of emphasis on that lost son coming back. But let's be the daddy of that story. Let's be a picture of Christ and the daddy that he's been to us. That never turns his back on his family. That never gives in. That never quits believing in his children. That always stands at home with open arms, no matter what they do. To be a daddy not of condemnation, but one of encouragement and strength and honor and integrity. And you know, I, I heard Doug say this, and I want I want to close with this. Many of us, my hand is up. We've wasted a lot of good years not being the daddy we ought to be. Ah, maybe we're pretty swell guys. 
Maybe we're okay friends. Maybe we're, you know, good, good fellas here and there. But we've truly not embraced what it means to be a godly daddy and give our family, our children, and our wife the greatest thing they could ever hope for in this life, and that is to pass on to them, to show them how to have a personal, intimate relationship with Abba Father. Here's the good news. It's not too late. Daddies, you haven't failed. Not to the point of getting back up. Starting over. Truth is, some of the dads in this room may need to May need to grab their children by the hand right now and look them in the face and say, hey, I'm sorry. Maybe tell their sons, you know, I'm sorry I didn't play ball with you when you asked me to. I'm sorry I didn't go hunting when you asked me to. I'm sorry that I was busy and I placed more emphasis in in this, my car, my, my this, my job, whatever. Maybe I placed more emphasis in it than I should. Reminds me of a boy who went into his dad's den one day and he was watching the football game and he walked in and he said, Dad, go outside and play ball with me. No, son, I'm watching the game. The boy broke it and looked at his dad. He said, but Dad, there'll be a lot of games. There's only one of me. The dad's still not convinced to get up out of his lazy boy recliner. He sees a magazine and on the inside cover, he sees a picture of a map. And he tore it into a lot of pieces and he handed it to his son. He said, go in there on the table and put this map back together. Four or five years old. This thing had been there for hours. A few minutes went by. A little boy came back in there and handed him a picture of the map. And he said, dad, I did it. He said, how in the world did you put the world together that quick? He said, well, dad, I just flipped it over. And on the back was a picture of a man. And once they got the man right, the world just fell in place. See, Daddy, we got to fix us. It's not the world's problem that our kids are going to hell in a handbasket. It's not the world's problem that the teenage pregnancy rate in the church is as great as it is outside the church. Fathers, it's not, it's not the world's problem that the divorce rate is what it is in the church. It's not uh, the world's problem, men, that single moms have for the first time in 2013 surpassed that of daddies that stick around, husband and wife unit. It's our issue, and we got to take it back. The Bible says the enemy comes to kill, steal, and to destroy. He's stolen from you. It's time you go back and take back what God's already given you. Peace in your home. A home that matters. I'm going to ask you to bow your head with me all over this room. The first person I want to talk to right now is those who may not know Jesus. Is their Abba Father. Well, Mark, I know that I'm a child of God. That's what the Bible says. That He's our Heavenly Father. Oh, no, no, no. No, you're misreading it. The Bible says in John's Gospel, chapter 1, verses 11 and 12, to as many as received Him, to them He gave the power to become a Son of God, even to those who believe upon His name. Oh yeah, from all practical measures, you're you're a child, and He's a Heavenly Father, but He doesn't become your Heavenly Father, Abba Father, until you accept Him into your life. Daddy's mama. Boys and girls, do you know Jesus that way? Is He your Lord and He your Savior, your Heavenly Father? Have you received Him as your personal Savior? If not, would you pray with me right here, right now, from your heart to God? By faith, through His grace, you can be saved today. Would you pray with me right now, from your heart to God? Say, God in heaven, I believe in Jesus Christ. I admit that I have failed you. 
that I've sinned against you. But today, Lord Jesus, forgive my sin. Help me to live for you. Be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name I pray, with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you prayed that prayer today in faith, I I wonder would you right now, without hesitation or personal debate, lift your hand up right now. Say, Mark, I prayed and asked Jesus in my heart. Hold it up high. God bless you. God bless you and and you. I see your hand and you, sir. God bless you. Anyone else? Here's what I'm going to do. I have some prayer warriors standing down front. They're not counselors because they don't have it all together either. Man, we're just all in this life trying to do the best we can do. But these prayer warriors will stand down front and pray with you. So here's what I want you to do. If you ask Jesus Christ into your heart with every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking, no one going to come to you, I want you to be bold. I want you to do as Jesus did. He walked straight down that lonely road, naked and broken and undone, and he did it for you, and he wasn't ashamed of you. Would you be ashamed of him today? If you've asked Jesus in your heart today without any hesitation, stand up right now. Come pray. That's all I'm asking you to do. Come. Come right now. God bless you, sir. I see you coming. Anyone else? And just, just If you prayed and asked Jesus in your heart, come right now. Just come. Just come. No one's looking at you. You're not joining anything. I saw three or four other hands that went up. Would you come? Daddies, head bow, heads bowed and eyes closed. Daddies, I'm talking to you. If you want to be that godly daddy that I was talking about, that Doug was referring to, I wonder will you do something today. Maybe you've never done it in your entire life. You've already made one trek down here today. Hey, you can do it because you've already proven that. But if you want to be a daddy that becomes something new, something great in Christ, I want you right now, daddies in the house, to grab your families and come to this altar. Let's pray for our country. Let's pray for our community. Let's pray for our church. Let's stand up and say, hey, I'm taking back. I am taking back what the enemy's taken from my family. I'm taking back what the enemy's taken through this generational curses. Hey, stop walking in that stuff, guys. The Bible says "But those who love the Lord shall be a blessed to a thousand generations. I wonder will there be any daddies in the house that'll say, hey, I'm taking back what the enemy's taken from me. Would you come right now, daddies? Every daddy in the house should be coming. I challenge you today. Put you on the spot today to come. I promise you, you won't be remiss to do what God has called you to do. It's never wrong to take a step. The rest of you, the doors of our church stand open today. If God is calling you to be a member of Northridge Church, I'm going to stand right down front. Or if you just want to simply come and shake my hand and say, hey, I got that today. God spoke to my heart. I'm going to stand right here. Just come shake my hand. Y'all leave the aisles open if you can, guys. Just spread out a little bit down the sides. I'm going to stand right down here. If God's calling you to be a part of our church, or if you just want to come shake my hand and say, I got it. I heard from the Lord today. I'm going to stand right here as they sing. You do what God's called you to do.